Hello, Smash fans, and welcome back to this episode of the PD Smash Podcast. Today, we have an absolutely great one for you. First up, we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. After that, we're going to talk some Cam Newton. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Chase Young. And we are going to talk about Giannis' comments before finishing out the episode talking a little bit about the transition of quarterback play from the past decade to this decade. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. First up, as I said, I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell getting caught. And this is sad day for me as a football fan because Le'Veon Bell has been a player I've grown up watching and despite his difficulties, despite what he's done, and despite his entire career, it's a sad thing to see him go, see someone with so much potential get cut. However, I do believe it is time. There are so many what-ifs with his career, but I do hope him the best in if he is able to get another job in whatever job he gets, or if he doesn't get the opportunity to play again, I hope him the best in whatever else he does. However, moving on from that, I want to talk some Cam Newton, and I want to talk about what Cam Newton means to this Carolina franchise, and how I think he may be the one to propel them forward. Now, I see the last playoff spot coming down to one of three teams. I believe the last playoff spot is going to either come down to the football team, the Panthers, or the Saints. And one of the big games to decide that is this Sunday. I think if the football team beats the Panthers, I think they have an inside track. Because if they beat the Panthers, let's just say, for sake of argument, they lose one of the Cowboy games, they lose one of the Raider games. Meaning, they would finish 9-8, and eight with a tiebreaker over the Falcons, not the Falcons, my apologies. They would have a tiebreaker over the Falcons, and they would have a tiebreaker over the Carolina Panthers. But they would not have the tiebreaker over the Saints. So, this means that two of the three playoff teams, the football team would have a tiebreaker over, which which would probably allow them to sneak into that final playoff spot. However, if Carolina beats the football team, then they have the inside track of the playoffs because they just need to beat the Saints again. Simple enough. They need to beat the Falcons. They'd have the tiebreaker over the football team. And I don't really see any other team in the NFC other than those three teams really making a great push. Of course, you have the 49ers who could make that push as well. I definitely see that as a possibility. However, I don't see it as a likelihood because I just think that organization's in too much dysfunction right now. There are, of course, like the Seahawks. However, that team is going to have a grueling schedule. They're just, there are some other teams, but I think those are going to be the three main teams moving forward. So I think this week can decide not only the Carolina Panthers playoff hopes, but the football team's playoff hopes 
as well as the playoff hopes for the New Orleans Saints. So I will be watching because I think Cam Newton is going to have a great, and I mean great revival with the Panthers. And even if he doesn't start for them next year, I think a team like the Browns possibly, or a team like the Steelers, or a team like the Broncos might take a flyer on him next year if he plays well in the remaining games with the Carolina Panthers. I'm really excited for Cam Newton. I don't believe he should have been cut from the Patriots in terms of talent alone. I think Mac Jones was probably still the better option for them, but I think he does deserve a starting spot. I think there are quarterbacks that have less potential and are less talented than Cam Newton. And I think Cam Newton is going to have a great revival a great second half of the year. I think this is not the end. I think this is just the beginning of the next chapter for Cam Newton. However, now I want to move on and I want to talk about the football team in totality beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And man, oh man, oh man, oh man, when I tell you this made me happy. If you can't tell, I'm rocking, I'm rocking a Chase Young jersey right now. And with that being said, I'll talk about his injury in a little bit, which makes me really sad. However, this is a great win for the football team. I think this is a similar thing to what could have happened, what could happen as it did last year with the Steelers, where they won that really pivotal game, where they were energized, and then they went on a run. I think the same thing could happen here. Off the bye, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who a lot of people have as a Super Bowl favorites, and they're going to go on a run, and they're going to be able to sneak in as like a, a seventh seed, and then when they get in as the seventh seed, I think they can make some noise, because I still do believe this defense can be good. I don't know if it's going to be top five, caliber by the end of the year, but they still have all the pieces to make this defense a good defense, even without Chase Young. And that showed this past week, where the Buccaneers off the of bye, who Tom Brady have always been good off the of bye, they really controlled that game from start to finish. And that really shows the defense as well as the offense, because the offense, we'll talk about the offense in just a little bit, but the defense did hold a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has one of the most prolific offenses of not just this year, of all time. Tom Brady at one point was on pace to throw for over 6,000 yards, which is absolutely ridiculous. They have not one, not two, but three wide receivers that are capable of being number one wide receivers on majority of teams. And I think they also have a good running back backfield with the addition of Giovanni Bernard, Ronald Jones as a backup, and Leonard Fournette as a serviceable running back, and the plethora of tight ends, including the greatest tight end of all time, and two really quality starters in most other teams. So to really say that the football team was able to Control that offense off a of bye shows the potential this defense has. Now, I don't know if they're going to realize that potential, but it shows potential, and as a football team fan, at least that makes me happy. However, let's talk about this offense. Because on a day-to-day -day basis, I go from Teo Heineke cannot be a long-term starter to T. 
Taylor Heineke has the potential to be a top five quarterback to top ten quarterback in this league. Because, oh my lord, bruh. They held the ball for ten minutes in the fourth quarter against a defense that has been underperforming. I will give you that. But a defense that has been absolutely stocked full of talent with an offense that is not that talented, especially with a banged-up and in-and-out-of-the-lineup Curtis Samuel, a Diami Brown who is still trying to find his legs, a injured Antonio Gibson, and then Taylor Heineke, who people go from, he's just a good backup, to he's a quality starter, to he's got it. And my gosh, he showed his potential today. A 10-minute drive is hard to do at any point in an NFL season with any level of offense. It's even harder to do with the level of offense that we have as a Washington football team franchise. It's even harder to do that against a Super Bowl contender. It's even harder to do that at a game, as a game-clinching drive. And not only that, not only did they hold the ball for 10 minutes, they scored on a fourth and goal to ice the game. Like, they literally executed the perfect drive. And I don't say that often. This was the perfect drive. From start to finish, 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, I think it was 10.53 if I'm not mistaken, to hold it until 30 seconds left in the game to score a touchdown to put yourself up two possessions and not give Tom Brady the greatest quarterback to ever grace the football field, the chance to come back is amazing. Because that's what they did. I love what they did in not kicking that field goal. Because kicking that field goal makes it one possession. And you don't want to give that to Tom Brady. Because, yes, they score, it goes into overtime. But there are so many more variables that go on with that scenario than saying, I think my team is better than your team, and I have two chances to prove that. One, with scoring and ending the game right here with 30 seconds left. Or two, pinning you on the one and making you drive the entire length of the field to win. And I think I really like that call because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had zero timeouts. So even if they didn't get it, they had the ball on the one with 30 seconds left. Even for Tom Brady, that's quite, and I mean quite the feat. So congratulations to the football team. I feel really bad about Chase Young. I hope he comes back stronger. I think he's one of the good defensive young stars in this league, and I hope coming off the ACL injury, he's going to be able to feel good in 100% and get back to being himself and progressing at a good rate. However... Moving on from all that, I want to talk a little Giannis Antetokounmpo in the quote he had today in an interview where he said, basically, that after these next two years, the three years, his future might not be with Milwaukee. And oh man, did that get me excited. Excited with an exclamation point, a smiley face, freaking money signs, 
lol, whatever you want to say. Bro, I'm excited. Because, believe it or not, Giannis has the potential to be a top 10 player of all time. Hell, he has the potential to be the greatest player of all time without even wanting it. He wants to be great, but he doesn't want the fame associated with it. But he could propel him inside into that conversation. He has achieved more than both Michael Jordan and LeBron had done at his age. And he has a chance to win another championship this year, even though I think he's probably third in line. However, especially, especially if he beats the LeBron-led Lakers in the finals, that's going to leave no doubt that he's A, the best player in the league, B, it, when it's all said and done, it gives him a boost to his career, and C, it allows him the freedom to choose what he does next. And even if he doesn't win this year, say he wins next year, when everyone's a little older, everyone's a little worse, Giannis is getting better, because Giannis is getting better. Giannis is now hitting fadeaways. Giannis is now hitting threes with relative consistency. One more year of this, one more year of improvement, this man may be, <laughs> if anyone gets this, if anyone's a fan of Mike Orzimba, <laughs> Steph Curry with a, third, with a 40 inch vertical. Now that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration. But if he can even be, I don't know, like a Jeff Green level three-point shooter. And like an Andrew Wiggins, Jason Tatum type mid-range shooter. He is not only the best player in the league right now, but in terms of just overall dominance, he may be the most dominant player in the NBA of all time. Because we're talking about a player who not only can be as dominant in the paint as Shaq, but can be as lethal from shot creating as like a Jason Tatum or like a Chris Middleton. Imagine Shaq with a Chris Middleton type back. That's what Giannis has the potential to do. And in two years, if he's able to achieve that, imagine he goes to the, like, I don't know, the Heat or the Lakers or the Knicks or something. Or maybe, you know, because Giannis is just like that, he goes to, like, the freaking Timberwolves. Imagine if Giannis goes from the Bucks to the Timberwolves and brings both Milwaukee and Minnesota a championship and he finishes with I'm sorry if he brings both Milwaukee and Minnesota with a championship he ends with four championships say he wins two and two bro he has a case for the greatest player of all time because it's not like with LeBron or with Jordan where there was a culture of winning they had a well not so much with Jordan more with LeBron but still I digress with Jordan even, he had one of the greatest coaches of all time. LeBron had one of the greatest general managers of all time, as well as solid coaches, and he had to move around a lot, and he went to two franchises that have a winning history. If Giannis goes to the Bucks, who have been a laughing stop, not a laughing stop, who have been bad for the past 40 years, 
Haven't won a championship in 50. He goes to the Timberwolves, who have been the laughing stock of the league outside of the Knicks for the past 30, 40, 50 years. He wins a championship there. Then maybe he goes to like, I don't know, Sacramento. Now these are big leaps, and I know. Because maybe he goes the big market route. He goes Heat, he goes Knicks, he goes Lakers, he goes wherever. However, I don't see Giannis as a big market type of guy. I think Giannis is a small market type of guy, and I think he may like to play as the underdog. And if he doesn't, which I think he could, I think this would be the greatest career. I think Giannis could have the greatest career. Whether or not basically the greatest player of all time, I'm just talking about the greatest single career ever of him basically just taking teams and turning them from nothing into champions. Imagine in two years if you got a Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns duo and they won a championship. That would be insane. First off, imagine having to guard both Giannis and Carl Anthony Towns. That's ridiculous. Imagine after guarding, having to play with them and Anthony Edwards. That's ridiculous. I just think this team could be very, very good. And I don't necessarily know what hap will happen with Giannis, but I definitely could see him going to another small market team if he does decide to leave Milwaukee. Because there's no telling if he's going to leave Milwaukee or not. He said maybe. So this is all speculation. However, if it does happen, I personally would love to see it. Now I kind of want to move on to my last topic, which is talking about the evolution of talent in the NFL over the past 10 years. And it's happened in the NBA too. And I'll talk about the NBA next year, or next week, I should say. But for the NFL, the talent has gotten so much better in the past 10 years. It's Quite remarkable. Now, I'm going to use quarterbacks as an example, but offensively, almost across the board, it's happened. Now, the top of the top in 2012 would still be the top of the top in 2021. I'm not saying that at all. Actually, I'm saying kind of the opposite because. Two of the best players in 2012 are still two of the, or two of the best quarterbacks in 2012 are still two of the best quarterbacks in 2021. With that being said, the top of the top is much smaller, was much smaller in 2012 than it is now in 2021. There were, there were probably four quarterbacks that you could say at the top of the top in 2012. You had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. Those are the top of the top. Everyone else, the Ben Roethlisbergers, the Phillip Rivers, the Eli Mannings, they were, they're a tier below and there's a gap. However, there are legitimately nine quarterbacks right now that could have a case for the top four quarterbacks in the league. You have Patrick Robbs, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and I'm forgetting another name. I have. If you want to see the full list, go check out my article in my blog. It's in the description if you're listening to this on YouTube or Spotify or Anchor. And if you're not, just go 
check it out on the other tab if you're listening to this in my blog. Regardless, if this being said, you have these two tiers of superstar, superstar quarterbacks. And then below that, you even have extreme depth with quarterbacks like Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Matt Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, all having either Pro Bowl level potential or Pro Bowl level talent. And it's really remarkable to see. Right now, the 17th best ranked QB according to ESPN is Kirk Cousins. In 2012, that was Josh Freeman. For those of you who don't know, Josh Freeman was not that good. However, this year he didn't have a bad year. He had over 20 touchdowns. He had 16 picks, threw for almost 4,000 yards, had a completion percentage in the 50s, had a decent uh, rating, passer rating, was just overall a decent quarterback. However, last year, Kirk Cousins beats him in every single statistical category and by a decent bit. And not only that, right now, the 30th ranked quarterback, according to ESPN, is Taylor Heineke. If Taylor Heineke were to play an entire 16-game season, he would be he would throw for 20 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. In 2012, a rookie Ryan Tannehill threw for 12 touchdowns and 13 interceptions while throwing for more than 500 yards less or 400 yards less, having a QB rate, uh, not a QBR, a passer rating worth a lot worse as well as having a completion percentage that is pretty abysmal. Not only that, but if you want the exact stats, look at the in my article. But Taylor Heineke's stats in this year projected would be on the same tier as Eli Manning in that campaign, who was a pro bowler now. I am not saying Taylor Heineke is on the same level of Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a borderline Hall of Famer. What I am saying, the fact their stats are comparable, and Eli Manning that year, because he was a pro bowler, is a top 10 quarterback in the league compared to the 30th ranked quarterback. Those stats being comparable shows the length and the depth that the NFL has now. And I think that is the crazy part. It's not the fact that, yes, we can debate who's better than who, who's worse than who, who, if put in the right situation, would produce better than who. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we right now are an era of football where there are people coming off the streets that are producing at a high level in this league. You have players like Dearness Johnson. You have players like Taylor Heineke. You have players coming from all over the league who are just plugging in, playing and playing 
quality roles for teams. And you were having the best of the best. Derrick Henry had a 2,000-yard season. It wasn't even in the top three for MVP voting. Now, is that a little bit just biased against quarterbacks? Yes. However, that shows the talent that has happened in the last 12 years, the last 10 years, the shift that's happened. Because 10 years ago, Adrian Peterson put up virtually the same stats and won MVP. So it really does go to show the difference from year to year and from the past decade. And it shows the fact that we are in a golden age of football right now. We're in the golden age of NFL. So it's time to appreciate the talent we have. There has never been another time in the NFL where we've had a player as unique as Lamar Jackson, a player as good as Tom Brady, and a player as electric as Patrick Mahomes. There's never been another time like that. Lamar Jackson right now, as of a few weeks ago, is on pace to not only throw for 4,000 yards, but rush for 1,000. You know how insane that is for a quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards and rush for over 1,000? That's unspeakable. 10 years ago, no one would even think that was possible. And now it's not even only possible. It's not even out of the realm of being surprised. Lamar Jackson won't most likely win MVP if he does that. He won't most likely. Even though that would have five years ago been the most historic feat in NFL history. Individual feat in NFL history. Statistical feat in NFL history. I wager five years ago that would be more impressive than throwing for 6,000 yards. That really shows how absolutely insane the NFL has become and how talented it has been where seemingly extraordinary, nearly impossible feats not only seem possible, yet seem expected. And I think it's the showing of appreciation that really matters. And to show you appreciate the NFL because it's not always going to be like this. Tom Brady will retire. Aaron Rodgers will retire. We're not going to get the same overwhelming, amazing product every single year, year in and year out. It's important to realize that and to cherish that. With that being said, I really hope you all enjoyed this episode of PD Smash Podcast. This is the end of this episode. If you're listening to this on Spotify or YouTube, as I mentioned a few times, please go check out my blog. It has all 50 plus episodes of my podcast. It has all 50 plus articles on there. It has a little more about me, ways you can contact me. Just overall, it's a great way to get more interaction with me and to stay up to date on my content. Once again, Smash fans, I really want to thank each and every one of you for listening. And without further ado, PD Sash, signing off.